Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Bald Face Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Our next guest is the legendary voice of Oregon State Athletics, Mike Parker. You've heard the Beavers over the years. Uh, you've heard Mike Parker on the call. He's joining us now. I want to bring him on. We've been talking about broadcasting in the last couple of days, and why not? we got to bring on a tent pole in this state, Mike Parker, voice of the Beavers. How are you, sir? John, it's kind of you to introduce me that way, to include me in a conversation about uh, a true legend and hero and the phrases, the voice, there's no better presence and voice in the history of sportscasting, in my view, than that of Bill Shonley. And the lexicon of phrases all run through, I think, all of our ears who had the honor and pleasure of hearing him over the years. And not just the, the more famous ones like Lickety Brindle up the middle and Bingo Bango Bongo or Climbs the Golden Ladder through the Cyclops at midcourt rip city you've got to make your free throws those are pretty well known but the little ones that i used to enjoy john were hearing hearing him initiate the blazer offense by uh, porter over to kersey on the guard forward exchange <laughs> you know which is just a, a a creative colorful way of you know i i think i usually jordan pope over to michael retire at the right wing okay he would say Pointed a cursey on the guard forward exchange, <laughs> and it was memorable the way he would do it. And, you know, if Alex English hit two free throws early in a game for Denver, uh, the Blazers trailed two to nothing, and nobody said it was going to be easy. <laughs> you know, things like that wheels and deals out of the Blazer backcourt, these are phrases that will live forever in my hearing, and I'm just grateful I got to hear them for, for a lot of years. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, did you work – on the Blazers broadcast, uh, you know, back in the day, Mike Parker? Only in pre- and post-game shows, the fifth quarter for three years, uh, I did pre- and post-game shows, and that was uh, the, the mid-'90s, P.J. Carlissimo's first year. And, in fact, I, the P.J. Carlissimo era, essentially, I worked. And uh, so I was uh, – Bill and I never worked together. I had the pleasure of maybe doing stats for him once or twice – but, yes, I was part of the Blazer broadcast team for a short stint for three years in the mid-'90s. Give me an idea, you know, as you grow up in broadcasting, the influences you had on sort of what you became. Well, I, I'm sorry I missed the conversation that you had with Jerry. I would like to have heard it. He, he is, I think, getting ready for year 37 this fall as uh, yeah. the voice of the Ducks and what an amazing job he's done and how entrenched he is in that world, in that community. And Jerry and I both, I think, are, we are children of the radio in that when, when I, I almost feel like my coming of age, my earliest memories have to do with the radio and Vin Scully himself. As a seven-year-old, I, I walked into a neighbor's garage and heard Scully calling baseball. And I didn't know anything about sports. Uh, up to seven, my parents weren't into it. I wasn't into it. Bill Walton tells the story about how his parents were not into sports at all, and Bill heard Chick Hearn. 
and, and that kind of got him interested in, in basketball, hearing Chick on the radio. And so I was a child of radio, and I discovered Scully. That led quickly thereafter to discovering Dick Enberg doing Los Angeles Rams football on the radio. Very few games were on TV. Then Scully on baseball. Almost all the games were on radio, very few on TV. And Chick Hearn on the radio. And when he wasn't on the radio and the games were on TV, Chick was doing simulcasts. So he was doing a full radio call, and you would hear it over your television set. I can envision those black and white games on KTLA Channel 5, even now as I speak with you. The great Kevin Calabro in Seattle, I also think, was a guy that became beloved in that community doing simulcasts in the great days of the Sonics in the late 80s and 90s. Calabro was a simulcaster, if I'm not mistaken, and Bob Blackburn may have been the first to do that uh, in that great Sonics area uh, era on radio. So, John, I you know those were the three main ones I talk about in in Chick and Vin and Dick Enberg, and they were my heroes. You know, uh, Mike Barrett talked the other day with me about going to Blazer games. You know, kid out of West Albany in Oregon State, but he'd go to Blazer games. And while some of the heroes would be playing and warming up on the court, he would be, where's the Shans? Where, uh, and he and his dad would go, and it would be Bill Shanley walking into the arena. He'd be there early enough to see that, and he looked forward to that as much as seeing the players take the court. I, my dad took me to games at the Forum in L.A. when I was very young. And here's Will Chamberlain, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor warming up, and I want to go high above the western sideline and watch Chick Hearn at work. I almost regret now not spending more time watching Wilt and Jerry and those legends warm up, but Chick was just as much of a hero to me as the players were, and so so was Vinny, so was Dick Enberg, and I'm grateful to have gotten to hear all those guys in the greatness of their prime. Mike Parker, voice of Oregon State Athletics, is with us. Um, you know, you come up in this industry as a young broadcaster, how different are you now? How, how much maturity do you feel in front of the microphone versus maybe when you first started out and as you look back at kind of your, your progression as a broadcaster? Very little uh, maturity has taken place, John. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed in myself in that respect, in that as much as I you know, admire, and I heard you, I think you were playing cuts yesterday, were you not? Or Yeah about Bill and, and, and the, sh- the shouters and the people that would, you know, take, I do too much of that. I hear myself and I, I'm not, of, even though I have these great uh, models as my heroes, I've not been talented enough or diligent enough to follow the great examples because with Sean's, a- as brilliant as he could make the guard forward exchange sound, he was never shrill. He was, you know, maybe occasionally hyperbolic and dramatic and theatric at times in certain situations, but never over the top with that beautiful instrument of his voice. And I know I cross lines sometimes. I get frustrated with officials' calls. That's about the only thing I have in common with the great Bill King, who I think you heard. Bill would get after the officials, wouldn't he, John? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think oh, that yeah. was part of his shtick, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, and Holy Toledo on top of that. Yeah. You, you know, he'd, yeah. he'd give it all to you. Yeah. Uh, catchphrases. Yeah, no. You know, Parker, with catchphrases, Sean Lee had him. You know, he had Bingo, yeah. Bango, Bongo. He had Rip City. Um, you know, or were you tempted as a young broadcaster to say, hey, I need catchphrases, or do you, how do you approach just calling a big moment? 
It's a it's a good question. And yes, and you know, everybody borrows from someone else, but there's only a point you can go to when it's you know plagiarism or pure thievery from the standpoint. And Bill has acknowledged, I think, and whether he ever did with you in conversation, I know I've read it that the beautiful term for which your city, our city, I lived there for 13 years, is named Rip City, is Bill Shonley's creation. But he heard it in minor league baseball circles, whether it was another broadcaster, Leo Lassen or somebody in Tacoma doing a recreate or whatever. He heard someone say of baseball, maybe around the batting cage with the Seattle Angels or Rainiers or whomever he was calling games for as he was coming up, Rip City. He heard it. And then when he appropriated it in the great story that Jeff Wohler just told you, it's it's a classic story. And he appropriated it at the exact right time. And he followed Jeff's counsel and left it in, we're all grateful to, to say. And it's the name of, of the city now. And it's what the Blazer franchise is all about, thanks to him. But it, I think he would even have told you it wasn't necessarily original with him. All of these things come somewhere along the way. He'd heard it somewhere, but he used it and popularized it and used it at the right time. And, I, you know, when I was first starting to do play-by-play, I had a lot of uh, basketball influence from Chick Hearn. And about the only thing that I still say that Chick used a lot, and I, I just use it because I heard it and remembered it, Chick would call, and he'd break down the court. He was one of those who could break down the detail of where the basketball was, how many feet away, and he'd say something like, Gail Goodrich into the front 47 to Jerry West. Okay, so I would hear that as a kid. Oh, the front 47, 47, front four. Oh, there's 94 feet. And Chick would refer to Chamberlain holds the ball high over his head, holds it like a raisin on this 94 by 50 hunk of wood. You know, that's how Chicky would Love occasionally that. describe. And, I, and, and so every once in a while, I find myself just out of uh, almost, almost tribute, but also just out of, you know, I, well, that's a great way to put it, into the front 47. Chick also called the, around the key area, into the attacking zone. You know, and I don't know if that's more of a hockey phrase. I don't know if Bill, Bill used that much himself or not, but I, I probably early use those phrases a little more often than I should, and I don't have them. I, you know, I don't feel like I have a catchphrase, John, and I feel like it's part of, you know, again, the, the lack of maturity through the years and the lack of being able to develop a lexicon like that, but I almost feel as though Mike Barrett has said the same thing to me. All the great phrases have already been taken. I give wheels a great deal of credit. Brian Wheeler would boom, shakalaka, and, you know, ring it up and count it and all. I thought Brian had a tremendous stock of phrases too but it's never been anything for me it's more of a straight call when it comes to the action but you know when it comes to big moments i i I try to rise to the occasion and i know uh, occasionally maybe i hit it but sometimes i feel i hit it over the top and get a little shrill and carried away but you know that's (laughs) it's just the way things have developed for me yeah and i think too you have to be true to the emotion of the moment and I think you do a fantastic job, Mike, if I can say, uh, not only bringing the listener with you, but you do a great job of conveying the emotion and the importance of a moment. And that can only come, I think, through really understanding what the players and the coaches are going through and what fans, by extension, are going through. That, I think, is, I'll say, John, thank you for saying it. I do think there's 
there, there's an element of truth in what you say about that only in that I do. You know, I grew up listening to Scully, who was the master of objectivity, and you really wouldn't necessarily know whom he was rooting for. But I think the discerning listener could hear if Ron Fairley had a drive to deep right center field, she is gone, would be a little more upbeat than if it was Jim Ray Hart doing the same thing against the Dodgers. You could kind of, you could tell a little bit of difference, and I think you should. What Vinny didn't do, Harry Carey, I, I saw a video of Harry Carey when I was a kid. There was a special on Harry, and he's jumping up and down with a handheld mic going crazy over a Chicago Cubs or White Sox home run. And, or in Oakland, I think he was doing the Oakland A's when I saw this video of Harry, and I thought, wow, that he really loves his team. But I think, I think there's a sense and expectation from the fans that you better love your team and you better be excited and you better get excited about these moments. And it's not as though I've ever felt like I'm obliged to do it, therefore I've gotten excited. I do feel the fan in me over the years does come to play maybe too often at times in terms of criticizing the officials or even letting – well, another turnover, and we go the other way. Four on two. You know, yeah. if, if there's a moment where I'm feeling exasperated by the action that I'm seeing, sometimes that problem that comes out a little bit too much. I remember an assistant coach at a radio show once. Somebody played back a clip as a bump back into a show that I was doing with an Oregon State football assistant. In fact, it was Nigel Burton. Nigel was an, a guest, and the cut that they chose to play coming back out of a break was a Washington State game in Pullman in 2003 where this one receiver for the Cougs kept getting open, and I'm saying on the air, and Nigel, the secondary coach, is hearing me say as, you know, back to throw over the middle, wide open again. Is anybody ever going to cover that guy? (laughs) Nigel's head snapped and stared at me, and his eyes like, did you really say that? And I had to take the headset off during a break and say, man, I'm sorry. Yes, I said it. I said it. But – you know, I think there are times, John, I hope that that kind of raw emotion, I hope, plays. You don't want to be too critical. You're working for young, you know, working for the university. And I think trying to put the, the young student athletes you're calling games for in the best possible light. But every once in a while, those kind of emotions will override. Mike Parker with us, Oregon State Radio play-by-play broadcaster. You've heard him for years. Um, we bring this up every year as Oregon and Oregon State play in the Civil War, or the game formerly known as the Civil War, uh, that there are some quirky things. Mike Parker, you attended Oregon. You're broadcasting at Oregon State. Don Essig was an Oregon State guy. He's the PA announcer at Autzen. I mean, there's a lot of crossover here. When you were a college kid, and I, if I had told you, hey, Mike, you're going to be a longtime broadcaster, beloved by Beaver Nation, you probably would have taken a swing at me. Well, I don't, you know, whether beloved by Beaver Nation, who knows whether that's the case or not, but I think <laughs> I would have been surprised first and foremost by that declaration by anyone. But as I've said many times, and I'm grateful for the opportunity they gave me on a far, far lesser scale than that of Rich Brooks, another quirky part of the story, a Beaver who became a coach for whom the field is named now in Eugene. But Rich used a phrase that I've, I've trotted out occasionally, too, that he said, quote, the University of Oregon gave me an opportunity that I didn't get at my alma mater. You know? And so, you know, Rich, Rich was grateful for the opportunity he was given. 
And with Jerry entrenched and doing such a great job, I mean, there was certainly no path or door. They'd had a revolving door for a while before Jerry settled in. They had quite a few different play-by-play people, talented people and good people, but for whatever reason in the volatile profession, there was quite a bit of changeover in the 70s and into the 80s, different voices every one or two or three years. And Jerry got there in 87, and it was his, and it's still his, and I hope it's his for a long, long time. So there was, there really never was a path forward to that, to that job at my alma mater. And then when the Beaver job came open, uh, and and I had the the honor of getting to succeed one of the great voices our state has ever known, and Daryl Lonnie. That was daunting enough and difficult in itself. Daryl, a tremendous broadcaster and one of my heroes in the profession. But when the opportunity came, I was deeply grateful that Oregon State, you know, in spite of my tainted background before I got to school, gave me an opportunity, and I've been so grateful for it these last 25 years. What, what kind of advice do you give to young broadcasters? I'm sure they reach out to you. I think what, what we've been talking about in some of these uh, these heroic broadcasters in the golden age of, of Bill King, uh, and Bob Blackburn, Joe McConnell, Hot Rod Hundley, Kevin Calabro cited all of those folks, and of course, the the non-pareil in my view, and the great Bill Shonley, and and that is to you know Bill had a shtick, he had a personality, but it was authentic and real. He didn't ma- who he he was the Shons, and and he didn't have to manufacture anything. Whether a character and a personality developed through the years, and I think it did, you could sense that he was being authentic, he was true, he didn't want to be in any other place than where he was, you know, sitting uh, courtside at the Memorial Coliseum or wherever else. And I think that the the qualities that, that I hope to convey, an authenticity, be true to who you are, be true to yourself, don't try to be Bill or Chick or Bill King or Dick Enberg or Scully or anybody else, I think we all have to kind of try to feel our way, but I, when people are sending me and sharing clips with me every once in a while is to have me listen in and evaluate, I think that sense of authenticity about who you are, let the, <laughs> the old um, Phillips Brooks, I think I shared this with you once before, but the, the, the great preacher in Boston in 1873 in the 1870s, 1880s, the, the carol writer of a little town of Bethlehem. But Phillips Brooks said of preaching, that good preaching back in the golden era of that sort of oratory in our land, but Brooks said, it's truth coming through a personality. Hmm. And so I've always felt as though that that's a, a good rule for any anybody undertaking any sort of oratorical of activity or, or uh, job, and that is try to convey truth. In other words, try to get the facts right, try to be accurate, try to spell the game out, try to give a sense of what's really going on, but let it come not just by rote, not just mechanically, but find find your personality and voice and let it come through that way. So the old uh, advice to preachers, let it be truth coming through a personality. I think those are qualities that serve anybody in any sort of public speaking role to some extent, even in play-by-play, something as humble as play-by-play. If you can deliver the truth, the facts, the game situation, and the setting, 
and also at the same time have developed a little bit of something that's genuine and authentic to who you are, then you have a chance maybe to, to have a career. Let me ask you, Mike Parker, before I cut you loose here, that, you know, sometimes when I'm writing columns off games, you know, it, if, if it's a great game, it's an easier column to write. If there's a lot of enthusiasm, um, you know, I can see the angle clearer. Uh, if it's an absolute disaster, it's also interesting and intriguing. In the middle, you don't want it in the middle, right? And over the years at Oregon State, you've had some big successes like the Fiesta Bowl. You've had, you know, the Mike Riley era, like 29 wins in a three-year span. And, mm-hmm. and now you have Jonathan Smith, who has brought a resurgence in enthusiasm. I have to ask how much fun you had this last season watching a 10-win team. It was beautiful, John. And I think there's even, you know, there are, there are greater days still ahead, I believe. Uh, you know, what 10 wins, you know, people I know are already talking about, well, okay, what are we going to do next? Jim Wilson, my partner, whom I love and uh, have worked with and enjoyed for 19 years with the Beavers. But Jim says, well, the next is to compete legitimately for, to go into, you know, for the Pac-12 championship. Mike Riley got there a couple of times with a plane for a chance to go and came up. <laughs> there are regrets. There are, there are things that, uh, that still hurt, and those losses in 08 and 09 still hurt. All of Beaver Nation, they still hurt me when I think about those days. But... This year was just a joy, and the joy of seeing how far Jonathan brought it and what Trent Bray has done with the defense. John, it's just been, it's been a, a thrill to get to still, you know, to war, having worked through some really tough times and low periods, to get to see what Jonathan, a favorite son of mine, drew uh, the years I've had a chance to call Beaver games, to call his Fiesta Bowl MVP days, to call his days as a coach. It's an honor, and I'm excited about what's ahead. And in the midst of all of this, too, in the mid-2000s, baseball rose to great heights that gave me an opportunity to experience absolute exhilaration. Mm. So there have been a lot of wonderful moments uh, getting to call these games. And I'm looking forward, I hope, (laughs) to quite a few more. Mike Parker, voice of Oregon State Athletics. Thank you for your time. Keep doing what you do. I think you have a genuine bond, just like I told Jerry Allen. There's a bond that you guys have with your audience that – that I, I don't you know I, I don't think it's that much different than what Bill Shonley had with his audience and so I wanted to bring you guys on and let the audience hear you talk a little bit but thank you for what you do thank you thank you John and you know the the major the big difference of course is that Bill spoke to an entire state and there were no there was no rivalry game civil war divisions mm. if you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> right you know so he had he, he had the the well-earned and uh, love and loyalty of, of people all over our state and region and with his great talent and the, the reciprocated love that he had uh, the, 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 there's too much bitterness and perhaps rivalry at times uh, in in our you know, Oregon State, Oregon rivalry day for any one person in, in the role, no matter what, to have that same kind. Of, and we're in a different era now, too. Radio Bill, right. Bill got started when radio was still king, and and he remained uh, uh, on the throne for a long time. I really appreciate, John, you having me on to share a few thoughts about one of the great ones of all time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. It. Thank you, Mike Parker, voice of Oregon State. Uh on today's show, both Jerry Allen, voice of the Ducks, and Mike Parker, voice of the Beavers. If you missed any of that, you'll want to grab the podcast of this show. Leave it here. Oh,
We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.